managers will want different things here. One will want a clearance, the other one will want a goal. Final kicks of the game, final header of the game, perhaps. Reigns with the in-swinger, Daniels flaps at it, still not away. And instead of a corner kick, it's the full-time whistle. West Brom head for Newport County in the League Cup with their first point of the season in the bag. Everton have doubled their tally. But will be very disappointed have been kept scoreless in the opening Premier League game of the season at Goodison Park. Their incredible home record continues. Not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Mr. Johnny Seven here, sat here as always with Mark Mach. Mark Mach, back once again like a renegade master. Yeah, that still didn't work. I like it. That's really funny. Uh, so we opened up there with the uh, with the dying seconds of uh, Saturday's game with West Brom, which we covered in, in the, our first Match Day Live podcast. And uh, I'm I'm watching it back since. Still don't feel any better about it, you? No, you just used the phrase "dying seconds," and "dying" is a very apt word. Yeah, dying and dire. Well, I know it, it wasn't Kieran Dyer. No, uh, Nathan Dyer. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, it, it wasn't our worst performance, but it, it was an optimism, ki- optimism killer. And after that result on Saturday, I'm going to retire from making predictions because we were all far too optimistic at the start of that. Well, wait till you hear my prediction for Cardiff. It is not going to be optimistic. No, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think um, the more, more pessimist uh, blues amongst us. Uh, it's been doom and gloom all week, hasn't it? A little bit, yeah. Um, still, as you say, it was an optimism killer. If you look back on it, I suppose you can say that, you know, it was a fairly half-decent performance. We did control the game. We never really looked under threat. Um, but you've got to be getting three points of those games. Yeah, though. that's that, the main reflection is, is that we did control the game and we did have, you know, we've had more shots than anyone uh, so far this season. We've had 42 and uh, I think Tottenham. Oh, I've not seen that. Yeah, that top, right, yeah. top, uh, Tottenham uh, second behind us with 39. But did most of those go on Rose Head though? Yeah, possibly, yeah. Um, so we are attacking. Uh, it's just, I think most people's complaints so far that it, it, it's taken a long time to get there and it's, it's, it's a little bit too patient at the moment. And that's not saying they want to see the long ball back, but they don't want to see a million passes in defence to get it up to midfield. They want to see a little bit more uh, direct, you know, get, get the wingers into play, get the wingers pushed up. Um, and get Jalovic in played in earlier rather than just uh, he hardly got a sniff did he on Saturday, on Saturday no not really and I mean from the fallout from it uh, we covered the game you know in detail um, on the Match Day Live podcast as we've already mentioned so I don't want to really hash over all grounds but I think looking at the fallout since uh, there's quite a few people who are starting to sort of say well maybe it's time to give Kone a chance um, you know there's a, a few people who are saying play both of them up front yeah um, but whether we'll do that in the, in the next couple of games we've got uh, I don't know because I think probably they're not the type of games that you want to start trying to go even more attacking and playing at a 4-4-2 uh, 
I think it's it's all it's all we've mentioned this a few times. It's all uh, it's set out to be an attacking game, isn't it? You, you two uh, centre backs are meant to hold the position. The central midfielder is meant to come in, drop, uh, pick up the ball, and your full backs are meant to push on. So essentially, you're meant to like uh, have more numbers going forward. But as I said on on, on the uh, on the match day live podcast on Saturday, I think. Um, the uh, the wingers, uh, or, well, Morales and Pinar, if you can call them wingers, out and out wingers as such, uh, they're more in the wet, in that space where Coleman and Baines are going to be running into at the moment. Whereas maybe they should be pushing up in support of Yelovich as the, as the fullbacks are pushing on. And I had a little uh, Twitter back and forth with Neville Southall, Southall of all people you today. Clang, you have your name dropping. <laughs> name dropping, yeah, uh, big Nev and. Um, you know, with, with that cent- with the centre midfielder coming into you know that his thoughts, you know, we're trying to play football the right way, and we are trying to play football the right way. It's just it's going to take a little while for those players um, to adapt. They were starting to play football last season, the season before, like and good attacking football. But I think this is a little bit of a tweak to um, to the game, and I think it's just going to take a little while to be implemented. Do you, do you want to know what's annoying me a little bit? I'll tell you what's annoying me. There's a lot of people saying it's going to take time for Everton to adapt to the passing game. And as you just touched on there, yeah. we already played a, pa- a passing game. We, we weren't sat there last year watching Wimbledon from like you know the late 80s, early 90s, or some of Sam Allardyce's teams. We played some of the best passing football in the league Definitely. last year. I mean, I, I remember Aston Villa away last season, where in that first half, we absolutely tore them apart. And it was some of the best passing, free-flowing football I've ever seen in the Premier League. Um, so this whole idea of it's going to take time to adapt to a passing game, I think, is a load of rubbish and an excuse. The only difference I can see is, and I'm, I touched on this the other day, we're still playing the same game, we're just playing it deeper. And you've touched on there about you know the centre-backs dropping in and the anchor man in midfield dropping in. The, the players are doing that. And, and obviously taking that instruction, but they just seem a little bit idealist what to do when they've got the ball so deep at the moment. And there's a lot of people talking about, you know, passes between Distan, Jagielka, Fellaini, uh, and it not really getting us anywhere. And at the moment, I think that's what they need to work on. They need to work from the distribution at the back and, you know, the different stages of play and passing it, getting it passed through the midfield up to the strikers, because that's where it seems to be falling down at the minute. Yeah, and well, I I, I completely agree with the uh, you know us, us playing the passing. Uh, we've been a passing side for a year or two now. Um, I think we've been a passing side longer than that. I think yeah. we've been a passing side for. I can't remember. You know, we we've always sat there and saw the odd long ball from Heitinger or Jagielka. Uh, you know, trying to get the wingers into play, but. I, I, by no means would I say we've been a long ball team since you know the Duncan Ferguson days, really. I think the temptation has been over the last season or two, though, it was to just lump it up to Fellaini, who will chest it, and then we can bring the full-backs in, and then we can start playing pretty stuff around their box, whereas now we're trying to start it around our box and not play that initial uh, long long pass up, up, up top. It's just they're trying to get four or five maybe uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, even ten passes before we get to that stage. And um, so it's less of, like, uh, you know, uh, reliant on Fellaini uh, having to win that initial ball. 
Um, and I, 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 I think that it's more like a sideways step rather than a step forwards or backwards. But I do think uh, the players have just got to have a little bit of faith in themselves uh, at, at the moment. And that's what I think Roberto's got the faith in them. He's, he's trying to put, put his trust in them to play this game. I think what you were saying about um, those, those passes you know, amongst the amongst the back four and just playing it amongst themselves there, I think that will develop as the players get more and more confident in, in this uh, new revised formation. Where the, and, and then you'll start uh, more midfields and start being able to pick them out, pick players out wide, you know, um, and as teams come to play us, you know, if, if Gibson's dropping down for the ball, then maybe someone else will drop in behind him, and we'll be able to play that ball instead and carry on. I can't see us resorting just to lumping it, lumping it up to Fellaini. I mean, and one of the big problems on Saturday was, it, it, and we covered this the other day, West Brom clearly came for the draw, didn't he? We are yeah. going to get teams who come to Goodison now, um, and you know, park the bus basically, and it's, I suppose it's a sign of respect. They came thinking a draw was a good result. They came obviously thinking there was a good chance they would get beat by us. Um, so they've come and played a defensive game and not really had much ambition, uh, which was evident from the time wasting uh, in the first five minutes. Yeah. Um, so we are going to have games where we don't break teams down. Um, we did that on the Moyes though, where we couldn't quite finish teams off. Or? Of course, of course. I mean, how many daft draws did we have last season? You yeah. know, it cost us a number of points. So, um, as we've said, we've covered it. It was a bit of an optimism killer. We all, I suppose, from the predictions, you can see that we all expected three points, and it didn't happen. Um, we're going to have to move on, I think. And that's the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the sort of what really say. Well, um, <laughs> hopefully, um, moving on slightly, there's, got, there's a game tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Um, prior to going up to Goodison to see us play the Giants that are Stevenage and I shouldn't have said that because we'll probably now get knocked out <laughs> in the uh, the round the shock of the round um, what do you know about Stevenage Johnny? Loads which is? I know they'll be uh, playing loads later <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that I used to go them when you were in the Vauxhall Conference on Premier Manager on the Amiga about probably about 20 years ago now because they always used to have a bit more money than the other conference side so you could get a couple of players in yeah um, and that's about it yeah well um, so from an Everton point of view then in the game going into Stevenage tonight um, changes do you think? I think there'll be uh, a few I, I can't see them just uh, doing what a, a few of the other sides have done like uh, the likes of Hall and Crystal Palace where they've made 9, 10 and 11 changes I, I'm, I'm, and I'm hoping he doesn't. I'm hoping he, he, he sticks with a similar uh, lineup and uh, sticks with the formations just so we can embed it into our style of play and the player can get used to it. There's no point coming in and putting another formation, another full team out there because we'll have no, um, no um, continuity there. So. It's interesting that because I, I disagree with you really. I mean, I'd like to see the same system used, yeah. obviously, because that, you know, as a, as a general. Um, thing that's getting introduced that, that needs time to bed in um, but I would like to see pretty much wholesale changes because I think it's an ideal opportunity for players to come and fight for places because I think there's places up for grabs in the first team at the minute I'd like, I, I, I'd like to see one or two that's, uh, 
maybe you know there's, there's a lot of pressure on Djalovic at the moment. Maybe stick with the same general formation, but maybe throw another one in up top because I think if he goes with one up front tonight at home against Stevenage, um, it, it, it starts off a bit shaky. Then I think there's going to be a lot of like a lot of uh, unrest. Um, so and you said about you know maybe Kone coming in. I I'd like to see maybe Victor get a chance because I think he did enough towards the end of last season to get uh, to get a run out um, and. I think he looks better than the brief glimpses of what Kone uh, we've seen so far. Well, just obviously why you've you've raised the uh, the subject of Anachibi, um, there's been a bit of speculation today. We'll probably cover a bit of transfer news later on in the podcast, but just while we're on the subject, there's transfer speculation today about um, possibly a move that was bandied about a few years ago um, being resurrected, and that's uh, Hull, Steve Bruce and Hull showing interest in, in Victor. Um, I, as you say, with with his form at the end of last season, you know, I think he was just really starting to to grow into the Everton shirt, really, and uh, and show what he could do. Um, I think it's a bit of unfortunate timing for Victor in his career that there's been a change of manager, um, and I, I don't really want to see him go. And I, if you asked me that twelve months ago, I think I would have bit yeah. your hand off to sell him. He's done, He's come on leaps and bounds again, back to how he was progressing. Um, a, a few years ago, when he when he had a, a good run in the UEFA Cup, um, and he, you know, he came on a sub a few times and uh, got us a few goals, um, and he, he just lets himself down, Victor, doesn't he? You know, he's he's a big, strong lad, and he you know he's got a decent decent enough touch. Uh, he's got a bit of the Emil Heskey's about him, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, he'll just oh, the way he flops around. It's just there's no need for it. Is that it's frustrating? I don't think. Everton as a club have ever like seeing their own players doing that, and other clubs, you know, like like the shite, you know, they've always had these players who throw themselves around all over the show. I don't think Everton generally have had players like that. You know, Arteta's done a, a few little uh, dives over the years, and uh, maybe one or two others, but I just don't think it goes well, especially with a big fella like Anachibi. Yeah, he does get knocked off the ball easily, but it's, the thing that annoys me more than that is. I hate all this. He's always when something doesn't go right for him. He's always like moaning. Yeah, he's he's he'll stop. Yeah. He'll stop play. He, he won't like you know. He won't get back on side. He'll just stand there and moan, or he'll sit on the floor and you know throw his arms up in the air and throw a bit of a strop. Um, and that's what gets me about him more than anything else. I would say, but I say that you know. He did do really well at the end of last season. You know, and he was he was. One of our most informed players the last sort of the last couple of months. Um, so, I mean, what sort of figure do you think we'd be looking at if if, if a bit comes in? Do you think it'd be around the sort of four, five, six million mark? I can't see it being six million. I can only see it maybe four at push, which would be a bit of a shame, really, because um, I don't think you're going to be able to replace him for that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I had a look uh, when I saw this this, uh, this talk today. I had a little look about uh, with, with with the um, for the news article when he was originally linked with them, and from what I remember at that time, he tried to force a move, and uh, there was some sort of fallout. From yeah. memory, there was some sort of fallout on the training ground. I think the training ground spot went more easy. And yeah, yeah, he, and he, he said what he wanted to join them on loan and then it was there was talk about a permanent deal and we didn't want him to go we couldn't let him go out on loan at the time or blah 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 you know 
Um, we didn't want him to go hang on at the time definitely wanting him to yeah go. well us, us and, and the club were, were in, in different boats at the time um, but I think he's done well to get the fans kind of back on side and most most of like the, the good and faithful uh, are, are kind of behind him and obviously you, you hear one or two saying that he's, he's, he's rubbish and we should just let him like cash in uh, straight away Um but I think most most of the good and faithful are, are back behind him. Would you Would you agree? Yeah, I, I say he did do well at the end of last season, and I think he's been helped greatly by Stephen Naismith being the target yeah, being of the, the good and faithful and taking a bit of the pressure off him. Um, so obviously, going back to to what we were talking about with with Stevenage, uh, you think Can Achieve might get a game tonight? I don't th- I don't think he'll start, but I'm hoping he he'll start rather than um, rather than Kone. I'm. I mean, it's what four o'clock in the afternoon now, so there's no real team news filtered down to ourselves. I would stake my mortgage on Kone starting tonight. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to give him a game from the start. Um, I think it's pretty much nailed on. That's the one name on the team sheet I think has been has been there since probably Saturday. Yeah, I I, I like what what like Paul's suggestion um, on Saturday about uh, another strike coming in. And doing that running for 60, 70 minutes that Janovic has been doing on his own, uh, someone else like in a different, uh, you know, different mould like Kone or Anachibi, they come in, do that running for 60, 70 minutes, and then Janovic come in and cash in, maybe capitalise on tired legs. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Janovic wasn't even on the bench tonight. I can see possibly Kone starting, and then Anachibi, and then maybe even someone like Avelios on the bench just to just so we can have. Maybe put Belios on for 10, 20 minutes at the end. Have a look at him. Uh, and then that way you can see if selling on a TV is a viable option. Well, and, and have a look at Belios. He'll come on, perform wonders and then get chipped off again. Like he had under well, previous that, that is a previous regime, isn't it? I mean, as I say, I think tonight is the ideal situation uh, for a couple of players to push forward. I think... I. Personally, this is what I would do. I, w- I would start Kone up front. Um, I think I'd probably keep Morales on the bench. Uh, give him, because obviously we know about his past injury problems. Don't push him too hard at the minute. Keep him on the bench for, hopefully he won't be needed, but just in case he is needed. Uh, and give Delafeo a start. Uh, probably just off Kone. And then I would have a look to see if there's somebody we can start in midfield instead of Osman. I think Osman's got to be controlling games like this. Well, you would think. I mean, there's two sides to this, isn't there? Is this a game that Osman can get a grip of and maybe get a bit of confidence, a bit of form back? Uh, Or is it a game where you give Osman a rest and have a look at another option? Maybe, say, the likes of Naismith. Naismith probably will get a run out tonight. Naismith in the middle. Um, And I'd also like to see Bainesy given a rest and Oviedo given a go on the left because at the minute Oviedo didn't even make the bench the other day yeah I wonder whether he's picked up a knock we haven't heard anything though have we I just want to go back to uh, to Velios and I don't think you'll have heard but I want to know if you or any of our listeners has heard of anything regarding Velios whether he's picked up a knock over the last six months or did did he upset any of the staff is he not progressing in training has anybody heard anything about Velios? Cause he, I know he's fit because he played for the under twenty ones. As nice. far as we know, you know, whenever he's come on, he's he's put himself about a bit, and he, he you know, he's he's done all right. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't come in and you know scored a million goals, but neither has anyone. So 
maybe he's, he's just not impressing enough in training. What, what do you think? I say he, he's probably just not doing enough in the under twenty ones to you know to to come forward into the first team at the minute. Um, and I think if we, you looked at the bench the other day. I think we all looked at the bench at the start of the game and went, you know what, that's a decent bench now. Yeah. So it is. It's difficult to break into the even to break onto the bench, let alone to get into the first team. And I think it's games like this against the likes of Stevenage. Again, I've probably jinxed us again now. Um, look at the shape last night against Notts County. They got a yeah. bit of a scare there. Um, it's it's games like this where you know this is the games where you want to try the likes of Elias, I think. Um, so. Yeah, I mean the other the other name bandied about. Do you think we might see uh, John Stones tonight? Possibly, possibly. Uh, what go go with uh, a right back rather than Coleman? You mean or as a right centre? I'd be looking at him probably to play centre half. This stand's meant to be a doubt again tonight. Yeah, I mean this stand obviously was was doubtful for the weekend. Yeah. So rather than give him two or three games in the space of seven days, uh, why not give? But then there's then you've got Heitinger and. Uh, Duff, Duffy didn't go, did he? In the end, so uh, you've got one of that, maybe one or two of them. In the, in the I could well. possibly see Jagielka and John Stones starting at centre half, and Heitinger playing instead of Fellaini and Fellaini on the bench as well tonight. Yeah, could well be. Um, so let's do it then. Let's do our usual score predictions for no, tonight's I'm not, I'm not predicting anything tonight. I'm going to go a comfortable Everton win. Um, which is the kiss of death, and I'm going to say I'd expect us to score at least three tonight. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Um, one one uh, lad we won't see tonight, unfortunately, is uh, Connor, Connor McElhaney, who uh, broke his leg in the game uh, playing for Brentford at the weekend, which is a bit of a shame, isn't it? So yeah, I just want to say uh, get well soon, Connor, and hope, hope you can recover well and get back in there. Just yeah, it's some game time. Unfortunately, he's one of our brighter prospects at the minute. Um, and obviously he's gone out to get games a bit like Barkley did last season um, and it's just you know it's just so unfortunate for the lad isn't it that he, you know he's probably looking forward to sort of getting some games under his belt and then a freak accident like that happens in a game so uh, get well soon Connor it's just, I mean Ross Barkley's a good example though of showing you know how, how to bounce back from an injury like that and yeah, you know, just come back and, and I, of course uh, big news yesterday announced in the next England squad for the qualifiers, which is great for uh, great for Everton, great for Ross. How was it, it, <laughs> it great for Everton? Great for Everton's profile, possibly not great for Everton football club or the, the team which you're gonna. Argue uh, well, I, yeah, I mean, I disagree. I put this out there on the Facebook page yesterday. I think it's. A, I don't want to use the word joke because obviously it's good, you know. I'm sure Ross Barkley's extremely proud of getting an England call-up. It's every kid's dream um, to play for your country. But I just don't see the sense in it at the minute. You know, he's a young lad. He's got a long career ahead of him. Um, why call him up to the national squad at the moment, the full national squad? I mean, the lad doesn't regularly start for England under-21s. So what's the use in bringing him into that squad? Keeping more pressure on him. From the media, he's now England's Ross Barkley. Uh, you know, we've talked on the podcast previously about you know let's just let the lad play his game. Let's not try and put him under pressure. Let's not get on his back if he's not carrying us. Well, I, you know, it just to me it just adds more pressure on him. Now he's 
had a full England call up, um, and I just don't see the point in it. He's not going to. Let's face it. Is he going to play ahead of Steven Gerrard? No. Is he going to play ahead of Frank Lampard? No. You know, I suppose he might get one or two minutes towards the end of a game, possibly. But I just don't get. The, I just don't get it. I don't get it how it benefits the the, the England squad either. Surely, playing him in under twenty one games, you know, where he'll play full games, he'll be playing with the players that he's going to play with in the future for England, uh, and he, he, you know, he'll be qualifying for tournaments, going to tournaments. Surely that's better for his development than sticking him in a full England squad at the moment. I can kind of understand the sentiment a little of trying to get him involved and give him that, that squad experience, but this isn't a, a friendly squad to call up, this is a qualifier, and England, uh, it's not a cert that England will qualify. Um, I've, I've, I've got no doubt he can possibly, like, well, he can do a decent enough job or a good enough job as any. And uh, Hodgson's called young players up before, like, you know, last season he brought, brought Zahar into the squad, didn't he? And, you know, before he before he's even signed for Man U. Um, so uh, you know he, he, he does he does like to give these players a taste, but uh, yeah I would I would be a little bit worried that he might he might burn out, um, and plus he might have bloody manu players in his area and say you know well that's the other side of it we all know that England squads are a breeding ground for players getting tapped up, um, and I'm sure there's going to be you know you like to your Chelsea players, uh, you know I'm sure. Jose Mourinho and the likes of that said to them, you know, have a little word at Ross Barkley and just put the feelers. Well, I'm, you know, you've got to be naive to think that thing, that sort of thing, doesn't go on. Um, I just, I, I say, that there was someone on the Facebook page yesterday saying, you know, I, I put it out there that he's running the risk of picking up an injury, he's running the risk of getting burned out. Um, and somebody said, you know, well, what's the difference to him being in the under-21? He's still going to be doing the same training. He's still going to be, you know, putting his body through the same amount of the same rigour. But, you know, I think now he's going to he's going to be trying harder. He's going to be trying harder in training. He's going to want to play for England, isn't he? It's a higher level and it's a higher level competition, higher level of training. Uh, yeah, and, and the game's going to be a higher level if he gets on. So I, I can I, I can't I can't say I agree with that point. Uh, it's not the same as in playing for the under twenty ones. I do agree that injuries can happen at any time in any training session. Um, but I, I, I do kind of understand the point. But then I, I don't necessarily agree with what, what he was saying. I mean, what's happened? I know he's out of form at the minute, and Hodgson's clearly picking people on form. I suppose that Ross Barkley, he's had one very good game for Everton and one decent game for Everton yeah. so far this season. So if that constitutes good form, then the England team's in a you know in dire straits at the minute. But I mean, what does this mean? Leon Osman's England career is finished now. He has been picked in the yeah, last well, few, last few games on form. On form, unless he picks it up pretty quick, I'd say yeah, yeah. What was that? What was that? Um, that, that about Ross? The, the news today that uh, what what Roberto what uh, I think Roberto Martinez has come out and I, I, he obviously Roy Hodgson thinks that he's doing well Barkley at the minute but uh, has Martinez come out and said he thinks he's bollocks 
thinks he's Balor. No, 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 no. He said he, he can see a bit of Michael Balor. You know? oh, oh, right. I, I've, I've misheard that then. I thought he said he thought he was bollocks. No, no. Michael Balor. Well, if you can have a career like Michael Balor, then uh, and while he stays and stays at Goodison, then you know it, it, it'd be exciting times ahead for uh, forever and, and Ross as well, wouldn't it? Well, they, well, there's the Chelsea link there because uh, yeah, they could do with a new Michael Balor, couldn't he? Yeah, they could. Yeah. Which sounds like a load of bollocks. Just while we're on the subject of Chelsea, did you that game on Monday night? I, I think I fell for the Sky hype. The Chelsea United, yeah. Oh my god! The sky hype builds games up so much to the point where you know you nearly wet yourself to watch them. And then Man United Chelsea on Monday night was terrible. It was on a par with Everton West Brom <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> I don't think it was even that good, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think it was. I think it was always going to be a little bit of a letdown with it being so far, uh, so close um, to the beginning of the season. Um, Nobody's really firing on all, on all cylinders, are they? Um, but not, not that poor. I think loads of predictions on our Facebook page were like 3 0 and 4 2, and oh, Chelsea beat them 5 0, or just to, to get one over on Moyes. And, um, <laughs> on that subject of Moyes, have you ever heard his new Manchester United song to the tune of Slade's Come On, Feel the Noise? Yeah. It's I'm, Come On, Davy Moyes. I'm sure he likes it a lot more than uh, he's got red hair, but we don't care, Davy Davy Moyes. I'm sure he's uh, much more. Uh, he's probably singing along to himself, isn't he? Well, is the next line going to be Moyes, grab your boys? I mean, and then you might try and grab. Baines and Fellaini <laughs> and uh, and possibly even Ross Barkley. Yeah, yeah. Um, on on that note as well, um, it's the same same old story as last week, isn't it? It's uh, except we've had a few more slaps in the face off off Davy since then, isn't it? I mean, he, he, he said that uh, Everton. Well, this is like quite old news now. Uh, it's happened since the last podcast. Um, he said that Everton shouldn't stand in the way of the players. Uh, <laughs> which is a, a bit of a joke and, a, and he, it's so hypocritical because it's exactly what he's doing to Rooney if Rooney wants to leave, isn't it? It's, well, he's just he's talking through his arse. He, you know, all right, you, you can look back at it, you know, players while he was at Everton, you know, letting Gravison go to Madrid and letting Rooney go to Man United. But he wasn't doing that just for the good of their development, was he? He was doing that because obviously, they, possibly you could say with Gravison because, you know, he was coming towards the, the end of his career and, Obviously, he got that dream move to Real Madrid. But uh, the likes of Rooney, he sold them because he got good money for him at the time. Yeah. Uh, the players kind of forced moves as well, as well at the time as well, didn't they? You know, you know if, if Baines or Fellaini had come out two weeks ago and said, right, we want to move to Man United, and we'd have been in a standoff since, rejecting the bids, then maybe he might be within his rights to say something like that. But neither players has said anything of the sort. And he's still saying that, so the, the, you know it's it's very very poor taste uh, coming out and saying stuff like that, and it's le- left a bad taste in a lot of Evertonians' mouths. Because uh, like like us, you know, like being uh, fans of what he's done for the club over the years, and you know, we given the benefit of the doubt of, over this bid and blamed it on the the chief executive, but it's not looking that way anymore, is it? It looks like it's it's all come from Moyes, and it's. Um, he said another thing as well, which is which, uh, saying about the preparation, which I think has upset a few fans, the preparation for the um, for the Chelsea game. It's a lot different when you're preparing your Manchester United side 
uh, rather than preparing the home side because with Man United you want to win the game not just survive it and it's uh, it's upset a lot of Evertonians as well yeah he's, I mean he's not doing himself any favours at the moment I'm, I'm always very much of I'll always support our ex-players our ex-managers you know and for me to start to turn on somebody takes a lot I mean unless you're Nick Barbie <laughs> but he's starting to annoy me so he really must be doing something wrong I'm starting to sort of you know really get pissed off with him yeah. so he, he is he's definitely doing something and uh, you know I just can't imagine at the moment what his reception's going to be like when uh, when he comes back to Goodison I have to be under arm guard at the moment <laughs> and, and if, if uh, Baines or Fellaini do, uh, do go to them then I think he's going to have to hire himself a bodyguard because <laughs> uh, I think it's all going to go off to be honest and it's a shame because, as you say, what he done for the club, he could have cemented himself, you know, in Everton folklore by just, you know, not coming in for, you know, our players or, and just saying nice things about the club once he left and saying what Everton had done for him, not for what he'd done for Everton, what Everton had done for him. Because let's face it, Everton Football Club catapulted him um, to, you know, getting the biggest club job in Europe, probably. Um, so that's he's got to remember that that's what we did for him. Yeah, well... His memory seems to be short, doesn't it? So those tears, those tears on the uh, the final home game of last season, uh, it seems like an age ago, doesn't it? <laughs> right, we know we're. Uh running the risk of turning into a right pair of miserable gets with all this negativity so uh, we've decided to put in a new feature into this week's podcast and that's uh, Mark and Johnny's top threes um, basically it's just going to be us trying to make you laugh talking rubbish and you probably won't laugh at it because only we'll find it funny um, I keep seeing on Facebook lately this uh, link to Everton Films I've got no idea what it's about whether they're trying to make a, a movie about Everton or something I don't know, is it, is it a reference to what they used to call blue movies? <laughs> well, I have seen a few blue movies every time, yeah, so possibly. Um, so while we're on the subject of blue movies, uh, I'm not the ones you're thinking about, uh, I come up with this idea really about um, remakes of films in an Everton style. So uh, me and Johnny have gone away <laughs> independently and come up with uh, three films each that we could make at Everton Studios. What you mean is, you've gone away for a whole week thinking about this, <laughs> coming up with a big list, doing loads of homework and everything, and then you've just sprung it on me five minutes ago to come up with some titles and uh, some various plots around those titles. That's pretty much what's happened, yeah. So, this is going to work. We haven't discussed this, our three films. So, uh, we'll take it in turns to do uh, three Everton related films each um, who wants to go first seems though it's your piece go on you go first right okay so my first film that I've come up with so he's consulting his notes here so you know how much homework he's done I am the original film was made back in about 2005 and starred Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt and was entitled Mr and Mrs Smith yes uh, and basically the, the, the plot of the film was uh, that they were two top hit men, or a hit man and a hit woman, um, uh, who were married to each other and don't realise that they're, they're both hit men. 
So my Everton Productions remake is uh, going to be called Mr. and Mrs. Naismith. And basically what happens in this film is... Oh, no. <laughs> Stephen Naismith and his wife are hitmen. And I've got to kill each other, basically. Uh, but the, the twist in the plot is Stephen Naismith can't hit a barn door. So he's like the world's worst hitman. So the film only actually lasts about five minutes because Stephen A. Smith's wife just kills him instantly because <laughs> he's that rubbish, he's a terrible hitman. What do you think? I think it'd be a big hit, yeah, yeah. Amongst blues at the moment, I think uh, it'd sell out, yeah. Sell out cinemas everywhere. It's a winner, I'm telling you, absolute winner. So that's my first one, Mr. and Mrs. Naismith. All right, well, mine, uh, I think it's based on a film called, I'm not even sure if it's called District 9 or District 19, now we don't come, come to think of <laughs> it. It was District 9. Well, my version is also called District 9, and whereas in the original version, it was uh, it was based on a, this uh, secluded district in Africa. South Africa? South Africa, yeah. Was Stephen P. and I going to be in this film? No, no, he, he, could, he could have been, but it's, it's not to do with his shirt number, it's to do with... Goodison number nines. Um, so, uh, whereas in the original one it was like scientists uh, saving the world from these alien prawns, it's going to be famous Everton number nines saving the world by kicking, like kicking footballs at these alien prawns. <laughs> <I like laughs> so you've got, the, you've got the big man, big dunk in there, Bob Latchford. Um, and as it's a film, and as it's never going to happen, I can, I can throw Dixie in there, can't I? Put Dixie in yeah, there. Yeah. Um, Are you just going to play Dixie now? Well, because it's, it's never going to happen, <laughs> and it's purely fantasy and speculation, he's going to play himself in it. So that's the, the premise of mine, uh, District 9. Uh, you might have a few number 8s and number 10s in there, but number 9s are going to be the star of this. Yeah, yeah, Stephen P and I'll have to be the accent coach if you're still, gonna, you're still having it in South Africa. Yeah, 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 you can be in column plans instead of prawns. Yeah. This is got, that's another big hit. That, this is going well, this, I tell you. Um, Right, my next one. The original film was a classic, a classic starring Clint Eastwood. Uh, and you may remember this film, Clint e- it was called Every Which Way But Loose. Yes. Uh, Clint Eastwood with his pet orangutan Clyde. Yeah. My version is called Jellabitch Way But Loose. <laughs> yeah, okay. And basically, it stars Nikita Jellabitch. Yeah. Uh, and in the original, Clint Eastwood was going round looking for bar fights to make a bit of money. So, Jelovic is going around looking for goals because he's finding them hard at the minute to find them. Uh, and he uses his best mate as pet orangutan to help him score. So, whenever you see him now playing for Everton uh, in the film, he's basically going to be running around with an orangutan and the orangutan will be grabbing a ball and putting in headers for him, setting him up. Again, I think it's a winner. Yeah, I think it is. In your film, how often has he caught offside? <laughs> Well, there's a lot of license here, so in it, it's Hollywood, so never. Right, okay. Never, because obviously the, the orangutan's got vision and can time it, can time uh, Yellowbitch's runs to perfection, like so. Yellowbitch way but loose. Right, okay. Right, my next one is based on the uh, Tarantino modern classics Kill Bill 1 and 2. Uh, I can see where this is going already. <laughs> and whilst I'm not one of these people who like to get on uh, Bill, Kim- Bill Kenwright's back, uh, a lot of blues do. So the premise of this is uh, a, a, a gang of blues uh, have to fight their way through numerous um, foes uh, and villains in order to, to catch Foes like Mark Vivian foe? No. Is he dead? 
I think he is dead. Oh, I should have gone there, should I? S- sorry. sorry. Yeah, just uh, we'll, del- we'll edit that bit out. <laughs> um, and uh, to, to get and, uh, and assassinate uh, Bill Kenwright. Um, so that's the general premise of it. And it, it takes place over two. And it's very good. Uh, two, two films, and it's very gory. And Who's producing this film? Is this produced by the Blue Union by any chance? It could well be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and directed by Bill Kenrong. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my second second entry. Right. Um, my third entry, the original film was a 70s classic. Again, starring... Now, ignore that bit about Against Stan. I was going to say Against Stan and Jack Nicholson, but it was Clint Eastwood in my last film. I always get them two mixed up for some reason. Yeah, well... Um, starring Jack Nicholson, and it was The Postman Always Rings Twice. Now, there might be some younger listeners who don't know what this film's about. So the, the basic storyline of The Postman Always Rings Twice was um, Jack Nicholson starts having an affair with like the wife of a Greek businessman, basically. He's <laughs> getting on A Greek businessman. Uh, and then eventually they, they plot, the Jack Nicholson and the wife plot to kill this, this Greek businessman. So, in my Everton reproduction of this, I've got Sylvain Distan yeah. recreating one of his recent parties played. And I'm changing the title to The Milkman Always Rings Twice. Now, you may have seen a few stories recently in the media about Sylvain Distan likes to pretend to be a milkman. We won't go into that because we are running the risk of uh, getting a lawsuit. But in my film, Sylvain Distan basically starts having an affair with the wife of another Greek man. Velios, oh. Apostolos Velios. That might be why we got, yeah, might be Well, see, yeah. this is this—it's a true life story. This because we know that Sylvan Distan likes to pretend to be a milkman, and we know that Velios has amazingly gone missing. It's because Distan's bumped them off with his wife. That—that—that's that's the premise of the film, right? That's a good one. I think another hit, another hit there. Definite winner. Um, my final one. Uh, <laughs> I was hard pushed to come up with this one, as you can probably tell. But based on uh, the early 90s, or was it late 80s, uh, classic Oscar winner, possibly, uh, starring Dustin Hoffman and uh, Tom Cruise, <laughs> uh, Rain Man. My, uh, my title is uh, Coal Man. <laughs> and it's basically got um, our super Seamus. As a, he's, he's a professional footballer. And he's... He's um, not the brightest spark. No, he's he? not the brightest spark. But he basically he, he reprises um, a role which we, we often um, credit him with anyway, Forrest Gump, where he just gets his head down and basically runs. And um, but that role, and so he plays that role, and also uh, adds uh, just impossible mathematical equations, puts them together, and solves them in, in, within seconds. And that's just the general gist of the film. Well, obviously, in the original film, he, he was looked after by Tom Cruise, so. I've got a suggestion of, of who could be is who could look after him. Go on. And I think he's very much in the Tom Cruise Cruise sort of mould as well. Go on. Phil Neville. Phil Neville, yeah, yeah. Phil Neville. He's, he's uh, got the, uh, the the looks and the charisma of uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. yeah. And he used to have a lot of Twitter banter, didn't he, between the two of them? And you know, Phil Neville used to sort of take Coleman under his wing a little bit. I, I tell you what, that could be one of the greatest Hollywood double acts has ever been. Neville and Coleman. Yep. So, Coleman. Coming soon to a big screen near you.
Okay, so there's about 10 minutes uh, we'll never get back of our lives. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully that might have uh, provided you with a bit of light relief uh, with all the doom and gloom. Um, well, it was 10 minutes of the listeners' lives that they'll never get back. It was about an hour of our <laughs> lives that we'll never get back thinking about it. So. Yeah, well, hopefully it's lightened the mood just a little bit. Uh, but we're going to go back to some serious uh, serious business here and talk about uh, the, the upcoming game. Um, we've talked a little bit on tonight's game against Steamers. We'll have a little bit of a look at uh, the Cardiff game coming up the weekend. Yeah, I mean, looking at it on paper, newly promoted side, uh, you would have thought, you know, again, it's a winnable game for the Blues. Then I watched Cardiff play Man City last weekend, yeah. and I have got no confidence whatsoever now. That, uh, I didn't watch all the game. I saw the highlights, and I saw that uh, a couple of the goals from set pieces, a couple of corners... Um, well, just just while we're talking about set pieces, uh, Cardiff look especially dangerous at corners. Yeah, um, Whittingham uh, basically fires in a corner and is a uh, you know it is a really good delivery and it's very difficult to to uh, to deal with. Um, I think Gary Neville was mentioned it the other day, and uh, he he basically said he thinks Whittingham's corners. He's never seen. The only time he's ever seen corners hit like Whittingham hits them is back in the, the Andy Inchcliffe days. For that, so a whip in, whip in towards the goal. Yeah, I mean, down he really down just, the goal he, he basically just you know fairly low trajectory. Can't say that word. <laughs> uh, puts power into it and just just gleams it across. Really. Well, that that time when uh, Andy Inchcliffe was pro- prolific at putting those balls in, it was like we had the little song and we oh it's a corner, <laughs> and, and um, it, it was it was a, a genuine um, exciting moment every time we, we got one, um, whether it was uh, whipped in because uh, it was always just it was whipped in hard just under the crossbar. So if anybody got a flick on a flick onto it um, coming across the goalie. Or even if you know just putting the goalie off, then every time it was a well not not every time, but there was a possibility of a goal threat, and if whether it was um, whipped outwards as well, it was um, a lot of pace on the ball for the players attacking it. So yeah, it's a very dangerous one to defend. Well, I mean Cardiff they set up in like a four three three formation really, um, and they have got quite a potent sort of attacking three really. Whittingham, as we've already mentioned. They've got uh, Craig Bellamy, who is <laughs> not one of my favourite people, um, but you know, I've got it all made up and say he's always been a, a you know a decent player. Um, and they've got a uh, Fraser Campbell up front, uh, ex Man United, ex Spurs, uh, Sunderland as well. Um, you know, he's had his injuries, Fraser Campbell, but I've always rated, I've always thought he, he's a he's decent got, little he's, forward. He's scored um, a few decent goals, hasn't he? He's, he's, like, uh, he shows little bursts of, uh, of like excellence here and there, and then yeah, the injuries seem to. Which I suppose we could uh, not that we'd wish an injury on anyone, but if he uh, just uh, just happened to maybe pick one up in training this week, I don't think many of us would mind that, would we? Many Blues. Well, that's it. I mean, so and obviously Campbell scored twice against City. Uh, last weekend, uh, and Cardiff went on to, to beat Man City three two, which which is no mean feat, really. I mean, what what I will do, do you want to touch on? Um, Cardiff have obviously got that sort of, you know, we've seen it happen with a few teams where they get newly promoted. It's the first time in the Premier League, the fans haven't tasted tough like football, uh, you know, in however many years, and they've got a real buzz around the ground. And I mean, they, 
Cardiff City Stadium at the last weekend was like it was like a cauldron. The crowd were booming, um, and it wasn't like a like a negative pressure that you sometimes get. Um, it was just like you know the crowd in tune with the team and really behind the boys, uh, and it's it's a real cauldron that place, and it's going to be difficult for any away away side to go there this season, I think. Well, hopefully, um, with the way we've um, been uh, dominating possession, I don't want again. I don't want to sound like you know like a copite and talk about our, our passing and possession and stuff like that because it doesn't like ultimately mean anything. But I'm hoping we can go there and you know get a bit of possession, get a bit, bit of possession, and maybe shut the uh, shut the fans up a little bit. Um, the only they they are set up for a counter attack though, so it could possibly backfire and play into their hands. If, yeah. we're, if we've got our two centre backs and our, we've got our full backs pushed right the way up, um, would you really want their three attacking players just running onto our two centre backs? No, maybe you'll look at a different system against them. Maybe you'll look with three. Uh, three at the back, three centre backs, and um, I, I can't see it though. I can only see him going. It's sticking with his formation. Uh, I mean, obviously we've got we've already touched on the Steelage game tonight. You know, there could be players who have worldies tonight and forced their way into the reckoning for the, the, the starting lineup at the weekend. I think even if even if they do, even even if players do have worldies tonight, I don't think it ultimately have, have that much of an Im- impact on on the team at the weekend. Well, there's also the, the the other side of it where if he does play a sort of full-strength team going into the game tonight, any injuries? Because, again, we brought the shite up earlier, but I think they lost three players last night. The, Good. The, that's Soko who they've just signed, a left-back. Yeah. Torre, and uh, there was somebody else, Joe Allen. Joe Allen, somebody, yeah. Well, he's never going to get a game because he's shite life. But, yeah. um, but obviously, that it, it just goes to show that injuries can, can happen. So... Um, me personally, going into the game, I said this last week, um, I don't fancy Osman at the minute. Uh, I don't think he's given us anything. I'd possibly love to maybe change it up and take Osman out. Um, and I must admit, I'm not confident. I, the, the way Cardiff played the other day, um, I can't see us getting anything from the game. And I hate to say that. I hate to be negative, but... I think we're going to get beat, I honestly do. I, I can't see many teams beating us, to be honest. I, I, as I say, I didn't watch all of the Cardiff game, I only saw the highlights. And they, they scored, you know, I'm not sure, what was the third one? I can't remember, I can't remember the third, what the third goal was. I know two of them, you know, Campbell, Campbell scored two off some very, very poorly defended corners. Yeah. So, I, I, we're set up quite well to defend against corners the majority of the time. Um, I'm, I, I never had much... Much fear of, of our defence, to be honest. I, I don't think we. I think we've got a really, really good uh, pair of centre backs there and a general back four. Do you not think? Say, obviously, again, we don't know whether Fellaini will still be with us. We we say this every week um, going into the card game. Do you not think if we haven't got Fellaini, we've got a little bit of a lack of height defending corners? Obviously, you've got you've got Yelovich, who's good at winning ahead as well, coming in. In our own box, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in our own box. But he does defend well on corners. Yeah. And then you've obviously got Distan and, uh, and, and Jack Elka. But other than that, there isn't really... I think we're a bit of a land of the munchkins at the minute. Uh, Ross, is, Ross is a decent size lad, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I tell you what, you know, Osman's only little, but he, he does all right. And, and he, wears his, he wins his fin- fair share of uh, headers, though, doesn't he? Um I don't know. It's not. Are they land of the Giants, are they, Cardiff? Yeah. Well, they've got. They've got. 
they're just well drilled on the set pieces, aren't yeah. they? And obviously they've got Corker at the back who's a big lad. But you know, Campbell Campbell's not an exceptionally big lad and he's the one who scored the two headers, so I think what? it was just poor marking. What they have got and the lads who they brought on the other day for Campbell when he took him off, they have got a plan B in there, this new Danish striker who they broke broke the club record for, Cornelius. He's a, you know, he looks like a big lad. Yeah. Big strong Scandinavian put himself about type, so they have got that plan B, I suppose, if uh, if it's not working on the counter-attack with Campbell. I, I, look, at, look, look at our two centre-backs, and I know a few people have mentioned that they're not entirely convinced by them, but it's, it's Jagielka and Distan. I, I have complete confidence most of the time in, in them. You know. com- com- complete confidence and most of the time is a contradiction. No, no, no. It's not quite a contradiction. I, I, some, you know... Yeah, I suppose it is. It yeah. is a contradiction, yeah. Okay. So um, we're going to have to go for We do score predictions. I know you don't like no, it. I know it. you like to sit on the fence. I'm not, not doing it at all. So I'll, I'm going to go for a score prediction. And I'm going to say... I don't want to do it, but I think we're going to get beat. 1-0 or 2-1. I hope I'm wrong. Um, I'd like to see us go there, dictate the pace of the game, uh, and create some chances um, and I'll probably change my mind when I see the team sheet um, on Saturday but at the minute before going into the Stevens game I think we're probably going to get well I'm, I'm hoping that you cry a win for us <laughs> That's, that might be what I'm trying to do but uh, yeah I mean I just I can't see us uh, getting anything at the minute I t- talking about the, the team lineup, and uh, I, I think he's going to stick with Jelovic even against Cardiff I just wanted to um, I want to mention something about uh, Jelovic uh, and what's missing from his game. And the Langatang? Yeah, obviously. Um, I think I don't. I don't think the people who fast forwarded through that last uh, section will uh, get that too far. <laughs> well, <laughs> go back and, and listen to it. Um, but what's what's missing from his game? Uh, Cahill, a player like you know, when he got all his goals, Tim Cahill was in there as another option. Um, obviously we yeah, had. Do you know what? Yeah, I mean, I've never thought about that before, but I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, we had Fellaini there like last year, who was like in a similar. You know, he was trying to recreate the Kale uh, role in a you know in a sense, but nobody could do that role like Kale. Do you know what? It's an interesting point because it's been brought up times a number of times before where when Yellowwich was banging them in at Rangers, he had Naismith and he played yeah. in that sort of role, just stuff him and. Yeah, you can see that Naismith likes to put himself around a bit, likes to try and win. Yeah, he's, he's not, not not been very successful so far. In his but he hasn't been played in that role, has no, he? No, thing. But, you know, they must fancy Naismith in the air, mustn't he? Because whenever he comes on... He, well, we saw that against West Brom. He, he got brought on, didn't he, on the, on the right wing for the, you know, sort of 10 minutes towards the end. And the minute he came on, every single ball that Howard hit yeah. went out to try and hit Naismith on the head. And he, again, he's not the biggest of lads. Um, but he does seem to like to try and win a header. So he got the assist against uh, Fialovic's goal against Real Madrid in pre-season as well. It'll knock down. Um, but going back to like Tim Cahill, you know, maybe Fialovic needs that like, that kind of buffer player who will like you know take the hit for him. As, you know because he, he he is a he is a decent enough target man, Fialovic, but not all the time up on his own because he, he can't just knock the ball onto himself. He needs that bit of support and. I, I think that's that's what's missing, Tim Cahill. <laughs> so I mean, what what, what are you going to do? Going to try and 
get someone else to fit, uh, fill that role or just stick with them or try and work another way around it. But, you know, that's my opinion on it. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we should just mention at this point as well, um, as we've mentioned a number of times before, there's um, an away coach going down to Cardiff at the weekend, um, run by our friends at since1878.co.uk uh, and Paul. Paul's actually on holiday this week, so... Um, we won't be getting a drunk match report from Cardiff. However, we possibly may be getting a drunk match report from the beach in, in Malta, where he is on <laughs> holiday. So I don't know how that one's going to work, but we'll do our best to bring that to you. Um, and then there's going to be away coaches going to all the other games. Uh, West Ham's the next away game, I think. Um, and uh, possibly we, I may be on that away coach as well. So... Yeah. Um, if you're interested in any away match travel, uh, contact Paul at since1878.co.uk or contact ourselves at Johnny, your favourite bit of the show. <laughs> yeah, just find us on Facebook, uh, not bitter, just better, just search that on Facebook or you can get in touch with us on Twitter at justbetterefc. On that, on that note as well, while we're doing our little advertisements, uh, believe it or not, I was at Tesco's the other day and they were starting to put out Christmas stuff. Okay. Oh, no way. Incredible. Um, but what we also do uh, via since1870.co.uk is signed Everton memorabilia, which is ideal for presents, birthday presents, Christmas presents. Uh, it's all hand-signed autograph stuff. We have put some pictures out on the Facebook page previously, uh, and we will do over the next couple of weeks. Um, we've got stuff signed by the likes of Duncan Ferguson, uh, Alan Ball, um Howard Kendall, uh, even right the way up to the, the today's squad, uh, and they are all like quality pieces. Uh, we we've been helping Paul with some of his, me- his memorabilia in the past at some of his events, and and we can vouch for its authenticity uh, and also for its quality. Um, so if you, if there's any play players autographs that you want and you'd like a signed piece for for yourself or or for relatives, then give us a message on Facebook or contact Paul at since eighteen seventy eight. Okay, so we were just going to uh, go straight to our Hall of Fame section, but I believe there's some uh, breaking news, Mark, that you want to talk transfer news? Yeah, during the recording of the podcast, um, basically Sky Sports are reporting that Everton have opened talks for uh, Blackpool midfielder Tom Ince. Uh, Sky Sports is saying that sources close to the player have said that Everton and Aston Villa are in talks with Blackpool at the moment in an attempt uh, to agree a fee to sign uh, Tom Ince. Um, Obviously, there's some. I think this is linked to the fact that Paul Insu's obviously Tom's dad uh, and a Blackpool manager uh, was seen at the pre-season game uh, with Real Betis uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and Sky are going on to obviously say that the uh, Tom Insu's got a goals to game ratio of about uh, one and three, which isn't bad from playing out on the wing. I mean, what what's your thoughts on on Tom? Um, no, I mean, th- th- this rumour, um, there's been this rumour going around for a while that Paul Ince has told his son uh, to do his best to hold out, to try and move to a northwest club. And ever since that time, I think Paul was saying uh, at, at the weekend, uh, uh, I mean Paul, not Paul Ince, <laughs> that, um, that, that the odds of him joining Everton are something ridiculous, like one to three since that time. and. Um, it's, I think it's one of those. It's, it's a, I think it's, it's a rumor that's never going to die. To be honest, I, I don't think there's any. There doesn't seem to be any weight in it. There's no been no bid made. It's been other than 
this and the news about Victor, there's been nothing on a transfer from really. And obviously the Baines and Fellaini uh, saga is going on, but there's been nothing else really, has there? Yeah, that's true. I mean, obviously, you know, you never count on players signing or, or rumours being true until you actually see uh, the McCudderson with an Everton shirt on your halfway line or an Everton shirt. I even believe it then. <laughs> well, yeah. But, um, I mean, if you if you look at this rumour itself, usually when Sky Sports report it, they usually does tend to be a bit of weight, uh, you know, so... Although, they did report that a bid was made um, by Everton for McCarthy which didn't actually turn out to be true, the case. True, I mean, but if you have a look at it, if you break down the rumour, uh, obviously two clubs in forum, Everton and Villa, uh, I would say they're probably, well, they're definitely, Everton is the most attractive of the two clubs. They're, you know, I'd, it's all relative, but, you know, higher up on the table for so many seasons recently. Um, but... Would you say that he's probably got more chance of starting week in week out for Villa than he has for Evan? I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I think if, if Roberto wants to come in and make his mark on the team and he brings a player in, I think he the player's more likely to make a start. As we've seen with Kone, I think play, uh, you, you might be able to argue, as we did before, that maybe Anachibi uh, deserves that chance over Kone. But it looks like Kone's getting a nod over Anachibi. Obviously, he's not starting, but he's, he's you know he seems to have jumped the queue a little bit. I think Ince might, if he does come in, he'll probably be favoured by him because it's his signing. Is Ince the replacement for Osman that we're crying out for? I mean, it'd be, I tell you what, it'd be interesting midfield, that one, if Tom Ince and Ross Barkley, the sort of possibly a future England. Could be, could well be, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we'll we'll see. I, I mean, until we, as you said before, until we see him being unveiled uh, at Goodison or Finch Farm or whatever, then uh, just rumours. Just, just a rumour, and I think there's going to be a million more before Monday, and then even after Monday, there'll be still be a million more rumours about people going in January. So we'll see. Right, uh, time's obviously cracking on. I mean, we try and keep these podcasts down to around about the hour mark, so you don't get bored listening to us waffle on. Um, so we're going to move on now to the Hall of Fame, and just on the intro into the Hall of Fame, we're going to play a little clip of today's entrance. And any Evertonian will instantly know from hearing the clip uh, who today's entrance is. I know, uh, you know, there's some names which are nailed on for going into any Everton Hall of Fame, and this is certainly one of them. Uh, I probably are, you know, the person who we've deserves it the most out of all the ones we we've entered in so far. Um, so let's play this little clip for you, and then we'll go on to the hall this week's Hall of Fame entrance. Yeah, so I'm sure Blues all over, all over will enjoy this uh, clip. You see it plastered around the ground, around everywhere. It's one of the most famous quotes associated with Everton. So uh, sit back and enjoy. So, don't forget, lads, one Evertonian is worth 20 Liverpoolians. And that's, that's, that's the way I feel. I'm so biased about this club, yeah. It's the best. The biggest and the best. Needs no introduction, really. Uh, everyone will know what it is from that quote, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, it's Brian Lebone. I'm going to pass it over to Mark to uh, tell us all about Brian. Yeah, obviously, Brian's this week's uh, entered into the Not Better, Just Better Hall of Fame. Um, born Brian Leslie Lebone on the 23rd of January 1940, uh, and unfortunately uh, passed away on the 24th of April 2006, age 66. Um, 
Brian Lebone is, is an Everton institution, basically. I mean, just listen. If you want to know the quality of the man, just listen to this list of clubs that he played for. You will never hear a better list of clubs in your life. Lebone started his career with Everton. Played for Everton all his life and finished his career at Everton. Making 451 appearances uh, between 1958 and 1971 uh, and scoring two goals. Uh, Brian was a rock at the back for Everton basically and, and played right the way through one of the most successful careers in the club. Uh, sorry, most successful periods in the club's history. Uh, he won the league championship twice and the FA Cup once. Uh, and during his stint was selected 26 times to play for England. Um, what can we say about Brian really, Johnny? Uh, again, he, it, we're a bit too young to have you know, lived through the days when, when he was playing for Everton. But he, he's just one of those names that, you know, you hear the older fellas talk about him and you can see tears in their eyes when they remember him. Uh, just a, a club great, absolute club great. Yeah, he's one of the, one of the, the few, few who... Still got a kind of relevance um, to to a younger audience. I think mainly I mentioned this um, uh, in when when we were paying tribute to Dave Hickson. Uh, we met uh, I met Brian uh, Brian Lebone outside Goodison on City Road. Um, I think it was in '95, possibly uh, ju- just just when we came home, uh, come home from Wembley and shook his hand. We had our pictures taken with everyone. He was an utter gentleman and. Um, the day he died, you know, there was a minute minute silence at Goodison, and they passed a, a, a just a postcard around, you know, on everyone's seats. Uh, Brian Lebone, last of the Corinthians, and you know, for for somebody, I never never saw him play, um, obviously because I'm, I'm I'm too young for that. But um, the relevance he still had, I think nearly everybody in the ground was just reduced to tears in that minute silence, and you don't. I know it's uh, you don't necessarily do it all the time you know, when players pass on, um, but Lebone was synonymous with Everton, so it was like a piece of Everton died that day. Um, so uh, you know it's uh, that's, that's all I can say about him. Really, it's uh, obviously as you say we weren't we're not old enough to have seen him play, but we we know like, how high he's held in, in regard by Everton. And let's not dwell on, on on his passing. Obviously, you know, let's let's have a look back and reflect on on such a great Everton career that he had. Um, I mean, is we I've already mentioned he made four hundred and fifty one league appearances for Everton, but it was a total of five hundred and thirty four in all competitions. So you may know the answer to this, Johnny, but I'm going to ask you now: How many times as a centre half in five hundred and thirty four competitions do you think he received the yellow card? No. Twice, twice, yeah. twice he was booked throughout his career. That's ah, unheard of. You, you, you just wouldn't hear that these days. It's, it's could you imagine that now? Um, obviously, the bone had a, a great year in 1966, uh, winning the FA Cup with Um But you, you know, did you know this fact? He was selected for the World Cup squad in '66 for England. Hmm. But withdrew because he got married. He was getting married. That's well, all. I wouldn't believe him. Because you could, I mean, imagine winning, missing out on winning the World Cup due to the fact that your wife wanted to get married. You'd, you'd batter her, wouldn't you? Well, he couldn't do it in the footy season because he would have missed Everton. So, you know. <laughs> well, that, that, that says it all about the man, doesn't it? Um, obviously, putting Everton before England. But uh, he did go on to play in the World Cup in 1970 and played three of England's four games uh, in a. In a 
World Cup that was obviously nowhere near as successful as 1966. Um, he's been selected, obviously his highest accolade in the game is being selected for our Hall of Fame and our Better Just Better Hall of Fame. Our first defender. Uh, he is our first defender, um, but he's also been selected for Everton Football Club's greatest ever team, uh, which was selected for by the Evertonians. Uh, at the start of the 2003-2004 season to mark the 125th anniversary um, I don't think anyone would argue even even those who haven't seen him play just I, I think the respect that he's, he's got um, I don't think anyone would argue with that no. and uh, his partner selected for the greatest ever in Everton team at centre defence was Kevin Ratcliffe the club's most successful captain so he's in you know a decent centre back partnership there uh, and I just want to read out a, a bit of a quote that Kevin Ratcliffe said about Brian at the time. He paid the following tribute to Brian was Everton. If you could put together a team of every player that has ever captained Everton, every single one of us would turn to Brian to lead us out. He will always be known as the captain of Everton. I mean, so that's, that's a, yeah, tribute a great from, tribute from, from, from our own greatest captain. It's a, it's a, it's a very nice tribute, isn't it? Uh, and obviously, I just want to go back to we played the clip of the, the famous quote from Brian Lebone as we were coming into this this segment. Quality, uh, you know, the, the quote about one Evertonian being with twenty Liverpoolians. Uh, you know, we, we've heard it a million times, but it, it always sort of get, gives you that little the goosebumps every time you hear it. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, and it feels to us, it feels true, <laughs> you know. Whether you know whatever they we've all we've all got red shite in it, like our family and friends and stuff like that. But when we're when we're in a sea of blue, you know, it feels like you know it feels like we're better, no matter how we're performing on the pitch or whatever. That's what it feels like. And obviously, we've mentioned we've mentioned that Brian passed on. Uh, he passed on just after an awards dinner at uh, the, the Wilmslow. Uh, he was on his way home and and, and and he passed on basically. So still had until the end, really, wasn't he? That's what I mean. He was, you know, a true blue, a true blue, and a true gent, and a true legend of the football club. So in 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 our tribute, I think um, I think it would be fitting to possibly name him as our uh, early captain of our not better, just better Hall of Fame team, if you if you want to call it that so far squad. I think we can name him as the early captain, or I think we can name him as the captain forever, because I can't, I can't see anybody yeah. being a more, a more valuable captain or a more worthy captain than than, than Brian Lebone. The fact that Everton was his only club, his boyhood club, uh, and he, he played throughout his career for Everton and, and remained true to Everton afterwards. Um, you know, right the way up to the fact that the club have even got a suite named after now, the Brian Lebone Suite. So. Um, I think we we're going to be very hard pressed over the forthcoming months and years, to, you know, to find anybody more fitting than than Lebone for our yeah. Ke- Kev will probably go in there at some point, but if if if, if by his own admission, uh, look to uh, Brian as a captain, then that's good enough for us, isn't it? So even if he does go in there, you know, yeah, that makes sense. So uh, Brian Lebone, Everton legend, last of the Corinthians. Welcome to the Not Better, Just Better Hall of Fame. Right, so that's it. Uh, another podcast completed. Um, we're on our way to the Stevens game tonight. Uh, and then obviously there's no match day live this weekend with us being away down in Cardiff. 
So we'll be back to do another podcast there uh, next Wednesday. She'll be with you next Thursday. Um, anything you want to say before we finish off, Johnny? No, somehow we've managed to, t- uh, to go on for over an hour and ten minutes, which is our longest uh, show so far, considering there's not much happening this week. Uh, and we did a pre uh, post-match one at the weekend. We're getting bigger and bigger, aren't we? Well, it's Everton. We love the Blues. We could talk about them all day, but we just know that you listeners probably wouldn't want to listen to us all day because uh, we're boring at the best of time. So um, that's it for another show. Uh, to anyone who has subscribed or who is listening on, on all the, the multitude of platforms you can listen to us on, we do appreciate it. We are thankful and we are still trying to improve the podcast in any ways that we can. Um, Hopefully you didn't mind too much uh, the daft segment in the middle today, um, and it it might have made a few years laugh even. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to go back and cut ten minutes out. <laughs> um, if anyone's if anyone has got any feedback uh, or do you want us to discuss any points, because you know it's it's only our two opinion uh, our, our two opinions here. If anyone wants to share their opinion, wants us to talk about it, feel free to get in touch on the Facebook page. You know, we shared the link before, or tweet us. Um, if you tweet us right up until when we're, when we're actually recording we don't mind we can, we, we can, we can get stuff on the go and we can do, uh, talk you give, you, give, give you a shout out um, yeah so uh, if you're listening on SoundCloud uh, ch- check us out on iTunes as well because um, you can get the podcast direct to your phone every Thursday um, other than that Gonna leave it there. Yeah, just talking on Twitter. Do you want to give us the Twitter handle, Johnny? Yeah, the Twitter handle again is at uh, JustBetterEFC. Um, so that's it, Stephen. Tonight, um, we want to wish you a good journey down to Cardiff for all the travelling blues at the weekend. Uh, I wish I was there really because the atmosphere is going to be bouncing. A bit naughty. Uh, it might be a bit naughty, yeah, so hopefully everyone will get home safely. Uh, and other than that, um, come on, you blue boys. Come on, uh, boys. We could start doing with seeing a couple of wins, so hopefully we can batter Stevens tonight and then three points down at Cardiff. Yeah, a win tonight, a little bit of optimism back, so we can get crushed, get it all crushed again. And uh, yeah, come on, Blues. See you later. <laughs>